Hello and welcome to the July 2020 edition of the Xcoders Community Podcast. I'm Jared Sorge, and joining me this this episode is Brent Simmons. How's it going, Brent? Oh, it's going great. How are you doing, Jared? I'm pretty good. It's finally cool. starting to feel like summer. And yeah. I I like that, that about Seattle summers. Yeah. Um, so we're coming on the heels of WWC at the end of last month. Um, did you get to watch much of it? Uh, I've seen a few hours of it so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the stuff that really interested me, which um, Swift UI was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. But I also really appreciated um, the video about, I forget the title, something like building consumer trust through privacy, something like that. I think I remember that title, about, yeah. Yeah, and where they talked about, you know, essentially killing off the identifier for advertisers mm-hmm. and um, some other, you know, good stuff in there. I love that Apple is so on the ball on this. And, and like, they they have no fear of bringing down the really big hammers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, please do that. We need that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that privacy shaming uh, dialogue that's going to be coming up anytime you read that for the first time, just like... App mm-hmm. A wants to track you across apps. That thing's that's going to be phenomenal. I'm yeah. excited to see that and hit no every time it pops up. <laughs> yeah, and you got to figure most people are going to hit no, and mm-hmm. when they do, that ID that they're looking for becomes a string of zeros, so it's yep. utter, utterly worthless. Yeah. So there, you know, there's really no choice other than to just like, okay, we have to stop using that. Mm-hmm. Which what do you great. think of Good. the? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the overall format? of of it of a WWC with like all the online videos as opposed to an in-person conference. Well, I really I thought the videos were really um extraordinarily good this year. Um I I thought that was fantastic. I I like having the different lengths, I, you know, the different um whatever. It, it, they they were super good. Mm-hmm. I still miss the gathering of the tribe. Now mm-hmm. I realize not everybody gets to gather. Yeah. Absolutely right. Nevertheless, I personally, I miss it because I count on it to see um, a lot of my friends and to make new friends every mm-hmm. year. Um, and I would like to see some kind of best of both worlds. I don't know exactly what that would look like, but that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, there's like we get we have that with Xcoders, right? We haven't had an Xcoders gathering mm-hmm. since February, I think. Sounds right. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I miss everybody. It's it's been yeah. really difficult to like even even with all the proliferation of online events having something that's in person has been some has been sorely missed uh yeah just as the community goes yeah for sure yeah um what do you think? And, and I'm one of those people who are, are I'm so well suited to this pandemic. I know it's horrible <laughs> to say, but I could stay home pretty much like all the time. I mean, it's hard to find a bigger, more diehard introvert than me. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm still missing people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's something that's been interesting to think about is like, on the one hand, I miss Xcoders and I want to go and hang out with my friends, but I never want to commute to the Seattle office again. Like, right. I'm, I'm yeah. totally over that because, like, mm-hmm. coming up from where I am at in Linwood is like an hour to an hour and a half on a bus each way or two buses. Ah, and yeah. I'd rather not do that. That's yeah, for sure. miserable. Um, so, like, the one hand of 
justifying to colleagues or whatever, hey, I don't ever want to come into the office. It's not that I don't ever want to see you again, but I'd rather not commute on a daily basis versus, yeah, I'll drive in the Frex coders because those are my, my pals. <laughs> yes, right. it's, a, it's a weird balance to strike. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, Xcoder is twice a month. You know, mm-hmm. that's much different from five times a week. It's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I think the the biggest thing that I'm excited about on the Mac or on from WWC is the Mac and mm-hmm. the the transition to Apple Silicon. Um, you've been around the Mac for a while. Um, what's uh, what's your take on this transition as you've seen it so far, like roll out from from other tra- other transitions? The oh, were you in the OS nine to OS ten transition? Were you an OS nine user? Uh, I've been through everyone from sixty eight K to PowerPC. Oh, nice. RPC to Intel, and of course, yeah, um, the old Mac to OS ten. Yeah, yeah, I've been through every single transition. <laughs> um, and Apple has done processor transitions really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they they learn and get better every time. But even the first one, the PowerPC transition, um, that went really, really well. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just it was not a big deal. And then we got PowerPC Max, and if you could, you know, afford to buy a new Mac, you got a faster Mac, and it was mm-hmm. cool. And it was about as simple as that. And so I expect things to go um, just as well this time, if not better, because, you know, I, I'm sure the emulation technology or whatever is better. Um, you know, the leaked benchmarks certainly look impressive. Like the, the yeah. transition kits are all running two year old processors uh, and they're basically edging out computers that were three years old when that processor was released, which is at the translation layer, really impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's yeah. it's really interesting to think about what the what the the new Apple Silicon based Macs might look like. Like a lot of people are th- thinking that it might have touchscreens or cellular or all these different things that come over from iPads, and to have mm-hmm. that on the Mac is really really interesting. Um, do you think you'll you'll buy one right away, or will you kind of wait it out and see what they what they look like? Oh, I'm sure I'll get one right away. My um, <laughs> my development machine is a 2012 iMac, and I was going to buy a new one this summer, mm-hmm. um, but then they announced Apple Silicon, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait to get <laughs> new get one of those in an iMac, and does, uh, then I'll buy that. Yeah. Will your will your current Mac run Big Sur, or does it leave that one behind? Uh, it will run Big Sur. I okay. haven't got it on there, but I have another. I have a DTK, so I do have oh, you yeah. know, a Big Sur machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have one as well. It's been fun to play with. I don't know how much we can actually mm-hmm. talk about it, but I'm I'm really impressed. Um, have you played around with with any of the advances in Swift UI or or have you tried out Mac Catalyst at all? Um, Catalyst doesn't interest me. Um, but Swift UI interests me hugely. Mm-hmm. Well, here's why Catalyst doesn't interest me because, um, at a high level, we're going from a, a transition period from the frameworks that were based on Next technology um, to stuff that is based on Swift, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're moving from AppKit and UIKit and everything like that over to Swift UI and Combine and so mm-hmm. on. Um, so Catalyst is just it's just a lateral move. It doesn't move you into the future. Um, mm. And 
and, and it would be to, to use catalyst is kind of like to use um, a little bit like using carbon back in 2002 <laughs> when you really should have been moving to cocoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I realize, you know, it, it, you know, history repeats itself, but not exactly the same way, right? Like mm-hmm. cocoa was fairly complete in the early 2000s where swift ui still has a lot of missing pieces and so on um but it's moving quickly and you know as soon as you write a little bit of code and run that thing on the mac uh ios watch and tv simulator mm-hmm. i mean it's just mind-blowing right? <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know it's one thing to know that that's possible another thing to sit down and you know 50 lines of code later mm-hmm. have you know, something that runs on the, all these different platforms that using the old methods would have taken you more lines of code just for one single platform, let alone sure. all of them, right? Sure. And it's, it's just, it's stunning. Um, and that's where we're going. And Catalyst, yeah, Catalyst, whatever. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, Catalyst will help some people who have short-term needs, then that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say that they're, they're wrong or mm-hmm. whatever, but... Um, but the bigger movement is towards Swift UI, and that that's where that's the direction we have to go. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Catalyst is an interesting, like you said, short term solution. If you've already got code base running up on an iPad and you want to get it on the Mac, it's a really nice, yeah. nice thing, nice way to do that. And the improvements that they've made look really, really good. Um, like buttons are become looking like NS buttons and like your controls and everything looks a lot more Mac-like. Um, but yeah, Swift UI is definitely the future, especially with the, the like app, is it, is app protocol, I think, and the scene protocol where you basically have like 10 lines of code and you've got an app running. It's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. I was not expecting to see that this year and be able to get rid of so much in your boilerplate template setup. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it really is stunning. Yeah, mm-hmm. that 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 team has done such an amazing amount of good work over the year. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I realize you know there are still missing pieces, and it's a real paradigm shift if you're trying to trying to learn this. I mean, I can't sit down and bang it out yet. I'm <laughs> I'm a long way from being at that point. But, um, yeah, it's still super cool. What's your so you run uh, an open source project called Net News Wire, a, a news reader. Mm-hmm. Um, You've talked a little bit on your blog about your plans to support SwiftUI going forward, but I'm curious if you could elaborate on that a little bit and just give some indication of like how you plan on integrating. Is it you're going to go from the app layer down to low low view low level views, or are you going to kind of go the opposite way where you start with a few views here and there, and eventually the whole thing will be SwiftUI, or is it going to be like a mix of both? So what we'd like to do, what we're what we're trying to do, uh, people are already hard at work on this, and mm-hmm. it's open source, so you can you can check it out and watch it, uh, is to go SwiftUI the whole way um, for NetNewsWire 6.0, um, and that means you know doing doing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know what problems we're going to run into yet. We've certainly run into things that are tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, and bugs that we hope you know might get fixed before release. Um, but this this is our goal is to just go all in. And that way, our Mac and iOS apps will be sharing honestly just about all of the code. You know, user interface code, 
um, as well as all the other code that they already do share, you know, for mm -hmm. that data model and networking and parsing and stuff. Um, but that would be huge, and that would that would allow us to move um, so much faster in the future. Oh yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, so it's exciting. I mean, as soon as we made the decision, you know, a number of um, number of our developers just just you know they just went for it. I mean, they've made so much product progress. They they have you know the app on Mac and iOS, um, you know, and their development builds is it's up and running, and it does most of what you'd expect it to do. <laughs> it's, it's really amazing. That's really cool. Have you? I haven't dove into it as much as I'd like yet, but have you found that there's there are things you need to do differently to say, I want it set up like this on the Mac versus this on, on iPad or, or iPhone? Like um, like good. toolbars, for instance, I think are the thing, the thing that come to mind because they're so distinct on the Mac versus on an iOS device. Yeah, I and I haven't looked at the code enough to know how much of that we've had to do. Um, but yeah, there, there will be some of that. Um, and I think that's inevitable in any... Anybody who's going to be building a cross-platform thing, but I mm -hmm. think that's going to be a fairly small percentage of the of the code. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So Net Newswire has been your baby for eighteen years, roughly. Was it like two thousand two when you first released it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, eighteen years. Yeah, and you re you reacquired it a couple of years ago and then made it open source. Mm -hmm. What's it been What's it been like for you to run a project like that um well the way i like to put it is you know the so i've kind of had two net newswire periods of life right 2002 to 2011 or so when i mm -hmm. sold it uh and then coming back to it later um and the the first time was such a thrill it was you know it, it was amazing i loved every day of working on net newswire and I, mm -hmm. I loved the people who used it and it was great this time around, it's even better. Um, being able to work on it with a team and to not have to ever, ever think about money or the commercial realities of things. Mm -hmm. um, just working on it with other people, trying to have fun, trying to do the best we possibly can do. Um, the, that is, ju it's just beyond thrilling. It's so much fun uh, mm -hmm. and it's so great. And I, I really, you know, I'm close enough to it that I can still see the flaws, but I think when I step back, I can point to this app and say, look, this app is really, really good. Like from the, from the level that the, that the user sees, you know, all the way down to the lowest level of the code. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it's a high quality app and that makes me super proud and it makes me super proud of the team. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think about when you were coming back to it? Cause it's, because this current iteration started as evergreen. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. When you started in on Evergreen, was your ever did you ever have a thought of making it another commercial product for sale, or were you always like, I'm going to make this for free because it's for fun, and I'm just going to open source it, and it's going to be what it's going to be? Um, early on, before I had told anybody about it, that it was a debate in my mind. You know, is this going to be um, for pay thing, and you know, what what am I going to do? And I just kept thinking about oh. If I make it a pay thing, there are a few problems. One is now I have money to deal with, and mm -hmm. that means taxes and business stuff and whatever. And you know, I don't want to do that. Uh, another is you have code, whether it's 
in-app payments or what, whatever. You have mm. to deal with all that, and you have to get all that right. And that's the most boring code and the most <laughs> tedious code to test. It's just awful. And then another thing is now you're on the hook for paid support. Mm. I mean, I try, I try hard to support our users um, as well as possible. I mean, we have a manual. I answer questions, et cetera. But there's a different. It's different when they've actually given you twenty bucks and you're expected to provide support. You know, that's yeah. you know, there's um, there is a different level of responsibility. And so that was, you know, that was like I'm not sure I want to do that because I had a day job. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I was hurting for money and this was my you know way toward you know buying a new car or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't need it so. I thought that it would probably be more fun as an open source app that might maybe I'd attract a couple developers to help out. Mm-hmm. And um, I was right, and it, it really exceeded my exceeded my expectations and, and my hopes. So that's really cool. Yeah. So is it is your are you still doing a lot of coding on it, or are you mostly doing like organizing of the the bigger picture of like here's where I think we should go with this? Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm more the boss. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will go for sometimes quite a while between writing any, any code. I mean, cause again, I still do have a day job too. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, I, I do coding in, um, you know, my couple hours at night, but mm-hmm. you know, there are other things I have to do. I have to, uh, manage the releases, um, mm-hmm. you know, answer questions people have who are working on the app. Um, you know, I have to decide what features go into which apps, et cetera. Which versions, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's mainly that kind of organizing, coordinating, leading. Um, but there are parts of the code that are pretty much just me. The the database layer is something other people probably shouldn't touch. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean because it's bad or anything, but because it's that is in some ways the like in some respects, the most important part of the, of it, because that mm-hmm. is, that's where we get our, um, that's where it's fast. Yeah. And I'm very, I, I know it super well and I know, um, how to keep it fast. So I remember many years ago when, uh, court data came out and I think you adopted court data and it, you, it got super slow for big block operations and, Apple then brought out like their batch processing API, and I think someone joked that it was the Brent Simmons API to try to make it fast. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is is that low level stuff the stuff that you like doing the most, or do you like doing UI stuff most, or is there do you enjoy the the back and forth there? Um, I think I'm happiest on the like kind of like database level, architecture level. Um, I get frustrated when I'm writing user interface because, um, you know, I, I never remember the APIs and like, <laughs> whatever. It just, it just, it just makes me mad. <laughs> it's, writing UI can be, you know, and let, but at the same time, I'm so gratified when something turns out well, right? Yeah, when totally. It's, when it's awesome, I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. And I will do whatever it takes to make sure that, Things turn out awesome, but, <laughs> but when um, you forget it's to just turn, not fun. <laughs> yeah, but when you forget to turn translates auto resizing mask into constraints off, and things just don't look right, like what is going on here? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> or, uh, or today I spent time on something real simple. It was um, 
it was a subclass of UI view. And I just can't remember how to how the init rules work, right? So I had mm. some properties I wanted to uh, set, and I also had to call like you know super init with frame or whatever, mm-hmm. but at the right place. Yeah. And then I also wanted this thing to be a delegate of something, and like, oh my god, I, <laughs> it just you know. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us have been there for sure. Yeah. Um, what's the the most difficult part? about running that newswire as open source. Is there anything that surprised you to be uh, hard or any confrontations or anything like that? Mm. You know, it, it's really just a matter of time. I, you know, I wish I could find more time and every given day to spend to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, well, partly because I want to, it's fun. I, I really enjoy it, but I also want to make sure that I'm, you know, I've got a team now and um they're relying on me and I want to make sure I'm not letting them down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I need to, you know, get done what, what I want to get done and get it done in a timely way because, you know, they're counting on me as much as I count on them. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, you know, that's not like, that's a, not a bad thing. It's an expected thing. It's especially in, I guess that, that kind of like overseer role that you've, mm-hmm. that you've taken. Yeah. That makes a little sense. I want to transition a little bit and talk about you and Xcoders. You've been around in the group for a while, and I'm curious, like, how did you find out about Xcoders? Um, what's your level of involvement been in the group and, and that kind of thing? Let's see. Yeah, I guess I started going about 15 years ago. Um, just after it started. And the group's only, yeah, the group's like 16 years old. So, just after yeah, it started um, then. Uh, so I think the first time I went yeah. was in 2005, and I was invited possibly by Joe Heck, probably, <laughs> uh, or maybe Gus, or maybe one of them CC'd <laughs> the other on the email to invite mm-hmm. me. I can't remember. Um, but just they, they knew about mm-hmm. me as a local developer writing NetNewsWire, and they wanted me to come in and I don't think even do a presentation. I think it was more just like, you know, Q&A with um, – local indie developer <laughs> and so i did and it was at our old location we were at um, <laughs> um there used to be maybe there still is the macintosh debug downtown business users group they I had i don't think that is a thing anymore but it's not okay. something that's been on my radar i don't think that is a they thing had their anymore, own space um it's just like a little, on my radar at all. Yeah, little very small office complex right near the oak tree cinema i think it was uh right off aurora mm-hmm. um so yeah, we sat that sat there in that little space mm-hmm. in a big circle of chairs, and uh, and then I came back. Uh, I just kept kept coming because uh, <laughs> it was fun. You know, I liked the people, and you know, we'd go out afterwards <laughs> and talk a little bit. Uh, though back in those days, it was for like an hour or something. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. never stopped going because uh, it was cool. Well, we've had a lot of people come through. Yeah, over the years. But you, how big was the group at that point? Yeah, just like a handful. So, or how big was the group yeah, at that probably point? Probably just like a, a dozen or more or... for any given meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. As and yeah. the the indie scene has sure changed over the years. As, as yeah, sure. that was the Mac only. That was pre pre iPhone. Yeah, that's right. Um. What do you do? You think that the the 
the vibe is different from then to now, now that we've got the iPhone and the explosion in the developer community. Like, is there, do you ever find yourself opining or missing for missing the, the good old days, as it were? Mm-hmm. Oh, these are the good old days. Well, except for this pandemic stuff. Right. These would be the good old days. They were the good old days in February. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's so it's subtly evolved, you know, over the years. Uh, obviously, the iOS thing was kind of a, a big, um, not shock in a bad way, but but like that was a big change when that happened. But that was that's already twelve years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I think the group has managed to. Um, it's managed to keep its. It's managed to keep its values. Um, and if anything, it's managed to um, kind of codify those values and and hold ever more stronger to them as time goes by. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. I, I think that's great. Because at first we were just yeah we're just people hanging out and we were all you know good people and that that's fine. But now we actually have more of a point of view. I think that's mm-hmm. um, really cool. Yeah, I think that really came together a few years ago when Paul Garaki put out the, or he did a lot of work into our code of conduct. And oh, I think sure, when, yeah. you, when you solidify that into a document that really kind of puts a stake in the ground as a group, you're not just people getting together and shooting the breeze and, mm-hmm, yeah. and you don't, it, like you have things that you stand up for as your values and how accepting you are of people and, and that kind of thing. And, I think that was a, a really big moment for us as a group, even though we're still not like an official nonprofit or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we had done some things kind of instinctively right um, all along. Uh, one is that, you know, we never tried to get superstar presenters from out of town. You know, we always wanted to um, have our own members do the speaking and, mm-hmm you know, and give people their very first chance, right? Or their first several chances, you know, yeah. as they work their way up to speaking at conferences and so on. So it's been really, we've been really supportive of the local scene. Mm-hmm. And that that's super important. Yeah, it's, I think it was, I don't know if it was last year or if it was in 2018 where we had something like 40% of talks were given by people who were first time Xcoder speakers. And that was a, a really cool number to be that high. Because we generally have yeah. some of the same faces kind of rotating through that are great presenters, but it's also really cool to see the new folks come in and mm-hmm. give their first talks. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, if we had a year where it was 100%. I mean, it's, you know, the more the better. Yeah. Hopefully someday we'll be back together and we can, we can oh, we will. get that number <laughs> up again. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so I got a question from Xcoder Art who uh, hit me up in our Slack channel, and he basically wanted to know what keeps you coming back to the job on a day-in, day-out basis as a developer, and if you have any advice on how to sustain a career as a developer and not just rage quit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a super super good question because I really hate computers so (laughs) very much. They are so awful. There are... (laughs) Plenty of days, weeks, months, even where I'm just like, just like, let me not touch any computers. Come <laughs> near them, please. I'm so terrible. Um, you know, I think it's it's like a lot of other things. Um, most people are on a team of some kind, and you know, the first thing, first rule is you don't let your team down. Mm-hmm. You know, they're counting on you for stuff, right? and 
so computers may be awful, but people aren't awful. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to you've got to step up and do your best, and um, you know, for for the for the other people who count on you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the core of it. Um, another thing is, you know, you might hate stuff a little bit less if you put a little more effort into continually uh, upping your own game, hmm. right? You know, there there are ways that, that you can get better, and you may not even be aware of them, but seek them out. Um, the question I ask myself all the time is, what am I not thinking of? Hmm. That's a really hard question to answer, right? But it <laughs> forces me to to kind of look and stretch and try and see what I'm not seeing. Uh, mm-hmm. Think about what I'm not thinking about. Um, and, you know, that can at least distract you from the, all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I've definitely heard that it's it's beneficial for some people to have, if you are at a computer all day, to have a hobby that is not computers. So maybe someone who's a programmer might be a woodworker or something like that. Do you have any kind of hobbies like that that get you away from computers when you just want to, you know, throw it out the window? Oh, great. My hobby is that Newswire. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I really messed up. <laughs> I wish I had heard that advice sooner. Um, I do. Uh, so, um, uh, I'm a musician, so uh, I play guitar and piano, and um, occasionally I hook them up to my to my computer. But mm-hmm. mostly, I just don't. I just sit and play, and and um, yeah. Have so you been? It's play- good. Have it's you been playing to... for a long time? Um, yeah, since I was whatever ten or twelve, something like that. Oh, cool. Yeah, and you know, it's great to do something with the hands. It's great to do something, you know. Um, you know, where time is actually like a real thing, um, very, very different than it is when you're sitting in front of a computer coding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rhythm, rhythm matters when you're playing music. Absolutely. Yeah. I've wanted to get into guitar, but just have never been able to find the time or, I don't know, it's just never something that's clicked for me, but it's always something mm-hmm. I've wanted to do. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's, it really is fun. And it's one of those things. I mean, I've been playing for, um, well, let me see, 38 years. And there's so much more to learn that, you know, by the time I'm 90 or whatever, I'll still be like, oh, my God, there's so much more to learn about playing guitar. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for joining the show this month. It's been a, a lot of fun. Well, thank you. And thank you for um, for doing these podcasts. I really enjoy listening to them. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you all next month. <laughs>